Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Brother Paul Marich. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to talk about some texts from the church's liturgy for the Christmas, um, for the for the celebration of Christmas and, and, and Epiphany. Um, when we listen to the texts of the of the church, <clears throat> sometimes we just think of that you know and they are they're very kind of inspirational, sometimes very moving words, but but they're more than that, aren't they, Brother Paul? That's right. I mean when the one thing to think about with just a celebration of the Incarnation coming up upon us at, at the Christmas season is how our Lord entered time. He came mm-hmm. to sanctify time. And things that we could use to express our belief, things like words, you know, that they have a significance then because then they're meant to express express our belief and also to be in a way corresponding with with a proper time. Mm-hmm. So like for example, in the Advent season, you know, you're going to have a lot of words that are focused on, you know, coming, the coming of the Lord mm-hmm. because we have we have we're expecting him as the Messiah. Just like in the Lenten season, you're going to have a lot of focus on on the on repentance, on seeking right. mercy, you know, and then obviously in the Easter season, you know, where everything ends with an alleluia because mm-hmm. there's that great rejoicing. So there is this the this understanding of the sanctification of time, that mm-hmm. our Lord has come into our world. He has been born in time. How is then, how do we then express our belief, how do we express our belief in this great mystery of the incarnation? Mm-hmm. We use words because mm-hmm. he is the word mm-hmm. incarnate. Mm-hmm. And so words matter. Words have meaning. Words express our belief. Mm-hmm. Right, and and words also, you know, is, since they express express our belief, they also teach. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's an expression, a classic expression, lex orandi, lex credendi. Mm-hmm. You know, the the law or pattern of prayer, mm-hmm. you know, is is also the law or pattern of what we believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and the church takes great care um, in the words, especially of the liturgy, the words that we find in the mass, the words that we find in in uh, in the prayer of the church and liturgy of the hours, especially how these words um, not only inspire, but they also um, provide the real foundation of what what we believe. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the articles of our faith. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in in the Christmas season, um, we're going to talk about a couple of texts that mm-hmm. that maybe. Um, are not always that familiar. You might mm-hmm. not always hear them in a given a sure. given Christmas season, sure. right? Sure. So, you know, mentioning about, you know, when we talk about, litur- you know, the sanctification of time, you know, or liturgical time, what are the, you know, 
you know, we, we could think about different texts specific to the other liturgical seasons, Advent, Lent, Easter. What about in Christmas? You know, what a, what is our, what are we expressing? We're expressing our belief that Christ has been born for us, that he has come to us. Mm-hmm. So I think in a, in a very specific way, the Christmas season has a heavy focus on, on eternity coming into time or t- mm-hmm. eternity touching right. time with the birth of the Messiah. So a couple of things to think of, to look at uh, with Christmas, with Christmas Day in particular, depending when you go to Mass on Christmas Day, you're going to have different prayers used at the Mass. So mm-hmm. did you know there are actually four Masses of Christmas, Father Stephen? <laughs> Not just one Mass of Christmas, four Masses. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? Well, four different sets of texts of prayers that are used for Christmas. So, of course, there are, if you go on Christmas Eve, more like in the evening, if you go like mm-hmm. you know f- you know anywhere from like the maybe four to seven o'clock you know period you 're going to have prayers for the vigil of christmas mm, right. but then then when you get you know if you go then on at midnight or thereabouts around midnight, we have specific prayers for mass during the night, mm-hmm. so this is the, where the focus is on on again the time that Christ has been born born during this holy night. Uh, oh God, you have made this most sacred night. That's the opening prayer for the Mass during the night. So it's not just any night. It's this sacred mm, night. Right. Christ has been born. Then if you go to Mass later uh, in the day, now this we're thinking like more like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning mm. when the sun is about to rise. This would be another Mass setting, the Mass at dawn. And, and again, the prayer here, grant we pray, Almighty God, that we are bathed in the new radiance of your incarnate word. So that mm-hmm. in the birth of of the word in time this new day is dawning he's dawning upon us and then if you go to mass on christmas then now once the sun has risen it's now fully the morning of christmas or even the afternoon of christmas this would be the texts of the mass during the day and here it's a focus on on the mystery of the incarnation that the word has become flesh and has been born born in time so this is you know one one thing to keep in mind depending when you go to mass you know, on Christmas. And then, of course, the readings will be different. So, you know, maybe if you're talking to a family member or a friend and, and they're like, oh, remember that reading at Christmas? It's like, I didn't hear that reading. Well, <laughs> what time did you go to Mass at Christmas? Mm-hmm. Well, depending when you go, the readings and the prayers will right. be different. Right. Yeah. So, so it's such an important day mm-hmm. that there's not just one Mass. I mean, not only is there a mass that's special to that day, mm-hmm. the mass we only those prayers that we only use once a year, but there's actually four different sets of prayers right. um, for different parts of that day. Right, that's right. Now, one option that could be used at the at the mass of midnight, uh, it's it's somewhat of an unknown prayer, but in recent years has been gaining a lot more popularity or more of a revival. It, it had kind of fallen out of uh, uh, had not been been used or, or proclaimed, but it's what's known as the Christmas proclamation mm-hmm. or sometimes also called the Roman martyrology because it mm-hmm. comes from a book known as the Roman martyrology. Now, the Roman martyrology was a, a compilation of stories of the martyrs of the ancient Roman church, and they would have an entry for each different day mm-hmm. of the year. And then, and then over time, it would be, it'd be expanded upon that's to include other saints, you know, who were not martyred. But you would go to a date, you know, so mm-hmm. you could say, like, just to take a random date, you know, March 13th, you know, in the city of Rome, and you would you would read 
you know, what saint died on that mm, day, who right. was martyred in the Church of Rome. But on December 25th, it takes a, a very different tone mm. because it proclaims the birth of Christ. So before mm. going on to list any of the other martyrs, mm. who, which there were, there were martyrs, uh, actually one of the martyrs we hear if in the Roman canon, St. Anastasia, her feast day is December twenty fifth. Really? Now we never huh. celebrate it because <laughs> because of Christmas. But you know, if, uh, she would be listed in the martyrology for December twenty mm-hmm. fifth. But the beginning of that martyrology, the twenty fifth day of December, we go forward listening to the proclamation of Christ. So I'm going to read this text, and it could be it could be recited more usually sung right before mm-hmm. the midnight mass because now. It's the 25th, so we're, mm-hmm. it's, this is the, the first words of this Christmas day. The 25th day of December, when ages beyond number had run their course from the creation of the world, when God in the beginning created heaven and earth and formed man in his own likeness, when century upon century had passed since the Almighty set his bow in the clouds after the great flood as a sign of covenant and peace. In the 21st century since Abraham, our father in faith, came out of Ur of the Chaldees. In the 13th century, since the people of Israel were led by Moses in the exodus from Egypt. Around the thousandth year since David was anointed king. In the 65th week of the prophecy of Daniel. In the 194th Olympiad. In the year 752 since the foundation of the city of Rome. In the 42nd year of the reign of Caesar Octavian Augustus. The whole world being at peace. Jesus Christ, eternal God and Son of the Eternal Father, desiring to consecrate the world by his most loving presence, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and when nine months had passed since his conception, was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem of Judah, and was made man, the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the flesh. You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by my fellow Dominican brother, Paul Merritt. And we've been discussing Christmas, but especially um, the text of the Christmas Proclamation. Mm-hmm. It's a text that can be read right before the Mass during the night at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And what's very significant about this text, you know, which we just heard, it really tells the, hist- the history of salvation, but also the history of the world. And that's mm. why it's interesting to look at this in, really could think of it in two parts. You know, in the first part, we hear about, you know, so many ages, and, and it's a countdown. You know, mm-hmm. it's going, it, it keeps counting right. down, you know, so many years since this, so many years since that. So in the first part, it's, you know, ages beyond number since the creation of the world, you know, then century upon century since the flood. Then we go to Abraham. Then we go to Moses. Right? Then we go to David as king. So it, it's, and then the prophecy of Daniel. So it, it, this, this chronological countdown, mm-hmm. starting with creation, going through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But then you start to hear these other interesting events. In the 194th Olympiad, so... No, that doesn't have to do with the Olympic Games. Well, it does. The ancient Olympic Games. Not our current (laughs) Olympic Games, but an Olympiad in ancient Greece was a period of uh, four years. And it was was how the years were were counted from 
the celebration of, of an Olympic Games. And in huh. fact, that term is still used today with the modern Olympics to number the, you know, the mm. games of, of a certain Olympiad. So this 194th Olympiad, this is, this is now making it, you could say, a recognition to ancient Greece hmm. and this counting of years as years were done in Greece. Then we also hear about the 752nd year since the foundation of the city of Rome. So right. now we go with this recognition to ancient Rome. And even then, talking about who was emperor of the time, Octavian Augustus, born in the right. 42nd year. So that's also significant because it's showing that when Christ the word of God was born. When he became incarnate, it wasn't a myth. He was born in time. Right. You could pinpoint what year he right. was born. Yeah. In this case, the year you know, which we talk about with uh, the, the founding of the city of Rome or in Octavian Augustus's reign. That's how we're determining time. And of course, you know, we often measure time B.C. before Christ mm-hmm. or A.D. Anno Domini mm-hmm. in the year of the Lord. You know, but this is in a way a, a countdown. Hmm. both from the history of Israel, but then also the secular history of Greece and Rome. Hmm. And it's all leading up to this moment, Jesus Christ, eternal God and Son of the Eternal Father, being born. And in the last line, the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the flesh. It's saying that this day, December Hmm. 25th, is the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the flesh. Yeah, so there's... Yeah, so that leaves no no doubt whatsoever. The church is teaching us that Christ really, truly took on our human nature. Right. You know, there were early heresies in the church, including Docetism, mm-hmm. you know, which which had a hard time believing that the eternal God, who is Almighty, all knowing, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and uh, and and eternal, you know, could actually uh, lower Himself mm-hmm. to to live in a human body. Right, you know, but the church is saying he really did. That's right. He really was born. You know, in the infancy gospels, point out even further. He not only was he born, he was he was not even born in a palace. Mm-hmm. You know, he was born in a small shelter for animals. Mm-hmm. You know, and and had his first bed in a manger. That's right, know, a feeding trough. So, right. so the church wants to make absolutely sure that that we, we can reflect on that great mm-hmm. paradox that he's. Eternal, you know, mm-hmm. he, from from end to end, right. ordering all things, you know, the eternal wisdom, the eternal word, and yet a little mm-hmm. baby. That's right. And the reference, you know, of course we see it goes through the history of Israel, but that reference to historical events in ancient Greece and Rome mm-hmm. also shows Christ coming to save all peoples, right. not, just the, not just the Israelites, but Gentiles as well. And, right. and, of course, when this was written, it was at a time when Greece and Rome would have been the significant world right. powers. Right. It would be the empire, you know, Rome would have been the empire, mm-hmm. but Greece had contributed a lot of the, right. you know, of, of the of the language, mm-hmm. you know, even even in the time of Jesus, even though it was the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. the common language often spoken would be Greek. That's right. And in fact, that's the language in which the Gospels and the early epistles of the New Testament are written in that's Greek, because right. right. that was the spoken language. Right. So now we're also going to talk about something that's heard even less often than that's the Christmas right. proclamation in the liturgy. That's right, something known as the Epiphany Proclamation. And mm-hmm. I've seen it in a couple of places being revived over the last couple of years, but as you said, it's, it's lesser known. One reason is you have to you know, kind of change a couple of things in this every year, but mm-hmm. it does focus on this theme of time, on this sanctification mm-hmm. of time, mm-hmm. that the Word of God became flesh, was born in time, 
and so that when we think of the liturgical year, it's this you know this unfolding of the mystery of Christ throughout the year, beginning at Advent with his anticipation, his birth, and then when we move into the Lent and Easter seasons, focusing on his suffering, death, and resurrection. Now, of course, we know that Christmas is set every year, December 25th. Right. But Easter is not so easy to, to detect because it's called a movable feast. Mm-hmm. It changes every year. We know it's on a Sunday. So, you know, Christmas, of course, it could fall any day of the year, mm-hmm. uh, any day of the week, I'm sorry, you know, December, but it's always December 25th. Easter, it's only on a Sunday, but it could be a very early Easter you know, in, in perhaps in late March when we may have snow <laughs> at mm-hmm. Easter, or we could be well into April for when we have our celebration of Easter. And there are so many different liturgical feasts of the year that are all determined on when Easter is going to be right. celebrated. So there's a tradition of the Epiphany Proclamation, and this is a proclamation that's made at Mass on the Epiphany, which you know maybe many of our listeners are familiar with, with the Epiphany being the first you know, big feast of our Lord at the beginning of the year, it's often a time for blessing homes. You may ins- and then you may have the chalk inscription right. above your door, you know, with the, the initials of the Magi, with the initials of the Magi, and then the, the digits of the year mm-hmm. on either side. Well, the Epiphany Proclamation is another one of these, you know, longer proclamations. It could be recited or sung that announces the feasts. The the, mm. the movable feasts hmm. of the upcoming year. So it's a way of like we've now gotten into a new year. When are all these dates going to be celebrated? Right. But it's not so much just like you know keeping track. It's like okay, I got Easter's on this date. It's keeping in mind that sanctification of time. That mm. this new year that has begun, it's going to be sanctified in very special ways on this day, this day, this day. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to read the Epiphany Proclamation. With the dates for uh, for the up for the year of 2022, uh, but again, that's something where you would have to change it every year based mm-hmm. on one the date. So here's the Epiphany proclamation: No, dear brethren, that as we have rejoiced at the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, so by leave of God's mercy we announce to you also the joy of His resurrection, who is our Savior. On the second day of March will fall Ash Wednesday and the beginning of the fast of the most sacred Lenten season. On the 14th day of April, no, on the, excuse me, on the 17th day of April, you will celebrate with joy Easter Day, the Paschal Feast of our Lord Jesus Christ. On, excuse me, on the 26th day of May, will be the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the fifth day of June, the Feast of Pentecost. On the 19th day of June, the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. On the 27th day of November, the first Sunday of the Advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom is honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So we see this. It begins rejoicing in the birth of Christ, but this focus looking at the resurrection, mm. and then, it, but it cycles back because it talks right. about when the first Sunday of Advent will be, which you know is also the, you know the when Advent begins. We know it's four Sundays before Christmas, but that date could always be flexible based mm. on whatever day of the week Christmas will fall. So there is something you know beautiful about this prayer in that it's showing that it, it's recognizing 
that Christ has been born, but it's always focused on why was he born? Right. To right. die, to suffer and die for us and to rise. So it's it's keeping the celebration of Christmas in proper perspective. Mm-hmm. And when is Easter going to be celebrated? But then it always comes back. It's that cycle that's showing the liturgical cycle. It ends looking you know, really back where, we, where we're already starting mm-hmm. you know, with this Advent mm-hmm. and Christmas uh, season. Right, right. Yeah, and you, you, can, you can look at this text, and at first glance, you might think, okay, well, this is sort of a, a very practical announcement, like we sometimes have announcements at the end of mm-hmm. Mass, you know, about key dates to remember, you know. Right. Um, and and there, I'm sure there there is a practical value to it, especially you know before many people could read or write. Right. Um, you know, it would be a way of a, of announcing it. And also, in earlier times, it wasn't so easy to calculate the date of Easter. Right. You know, it wasn't in fact always agreed upon in different mm-hmm. parts of the church. You know, so so it would be kind of an important thing that would not be by any means intuitive, you know, that's when right. are we going to celebrate Easter this year? But but, when, but that's the first glance. But when you look beyond it, as you were saying, Brother Paul, it's really not simply a very practical announcement of, of calendar dates to remember mm-hmm. and circle in your mind, you know, but it's also really connecting the Christmas season to the to the Easter season mm-hmm. and the mysteries of the, of, the, of, the, of the redemption. And another thing, too, with the importance of major feasts, you know, we— you know, it's such a sad thing today to see how Sunday isn't even respected anymore as a a day set aside for the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. where you'll have shops and and things open on Sunday. It's just treated like any other day of the week. Well, beyond that, you know, in in earlier centuries, especially you know in in medieval Europe and and such, it wasn't only Sundays that were you know celebrated. You know, with that great reverence, you know, where you would do no work on Sundays, but even mm-hmm. certain feast days, you know, right. you know, would today would be most of what we would call the holy days of obligation. Mm-hmm. Those were equivalent to Sundays. I mean, they still are, mm-hmm. as we know, you know, for in terms of the obligation to go to mass. But even as a society, that mm-hmm. you would do no work on those days. So it was right. like you needed to know not just when Easter is, but when is the ascension? Because maybe if I'm, you know, if I'm working a farm, you know, and I, I'm I'm doing a, pl- a planting schedule. Right. I can't be scheduling any plant or any yeah. work on that, you know, at that point you're in the spring and things are, you know, uh you, you know you're you're doing work on the field or whatever work may be done. I'm not going to schedule anything that day because mm-hmm. it's a feast day. Right. So that this again the sanctification of time. The time our Lord entered time, time is sacred. These certain feast days of the year are sacred times that are set aside for him. Yeah, and you can see even in our in our very secular culture these days, even if I've heard that even in, in some other countries that are, you know, at least more traditionally Catholic or Christian, they still observe certain feast days. Mm-hmm. You know, they may, they may just be kind of a public holiday, right. you know, but, right. but there's still that sense that at least at some point, um, you know, the mysteries of our faith had a real impact on our everyday life. You That's know, right. it, would, it would determine whether you went to work or not, or mm-hmm. whether you stayed home, or whether you went to school, or, yes. or stayed home. And so there's something very healthy about that, that in a way, even though people let go of their faith, they don't want to let go of the holidays or the holy days. Right. You know, so that, and that's something that we can, um, in our own lives, in our own, you know, communities, in our own parishes, in our own families, you know, try to try to observe, you know, how how these these events that in some ways are beyond time and their significance, the mysteries of our faith, the redemption of the world, the the incarnation of the mm-hmm. word, how nevertheless they really impact us, you know, in very tangible, practical ways. 
I know one of our friars likes to tell the people that on a feast day, you know, all the calories are magically taken away from the food. So. <laughs> Which I wouldn't, you know, I don't think I would say that. But 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 the the idea is that you know we we should celebrate That's right. when there's when there's an important day like this. Mm-hmm. So that so that when you know when when we think about the mercies of our faith, they're not just something that's out there, something mm-hmm. that's abstract. It's something that really affects us, you know, in a very powerful way. I've often thought that in terms of thinking of the day of beginning of Lent or mm-hmm. Easter, you know, how things like Palm Sunday and Ash Wednesday, even for people that don't go to church many other days of the year, there's something about having a tangible impression you right. know, of getting a palm branch yes. or a leaf or getting ashes placed on your head that this, it resonates. It's deeply. all very incarnational because mm-hmm. the word was made flesh, you know, f- that the God who is pure spirit took on a material human nature. You know, and the, and right. because of that, you know, this is why we could use things like religious images or mm-hmm. things you mentioned like ashes or palms, these sacramentals, mm-hmm. these material things that can be sanctified and used to help us grow in our own holiness. Right. Right. So we've been speaking today about um, the Christmas text, but two texts in particular that are not necessarily heard very often. The Christmas proclamation, which connects the, the birth date of Christ, is celebrated on December 25th with you know, the, the events of the Old Testament leading up um, to, 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 the, to the incarnation of the Word, but also even some of the... the, the secular world, you know, mm-hmm. in Greece and Rome. And we also talked about the Epiphany Proclamation, which gives particular dates that are are going to be observed in the coming year mm-hmm. for the mysteries related to the Lord's passion, death, and resurrection. But all of this, as Brother Paul has been telling us, is, 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 is to show us that um, what we believe um, takes root, you know, not just um, in the sacraments of the church, you know, but also even in, in the time of, of that that we live in our lives, you know, the the, the days of the year, mm-hmm. you know, um, just as just as the church consecrates, you know, every every week, you know, the, the mass on Sunday, just mm-hmm. as the church consecrates the hours even of the day for those mm-hmm. who celebrate liturgy of the hours, time is very important. The Lord has entered into time, um, in as in our human nature, and and He enters into our lives in the hours, you know, days, weeks, and months, and years of our, mm-hmm. of our own existence as we look forward to, to, to that celebration without end. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I've been joined in the studio by a deacon brother, Paul Marich. Let's end with prayer, invoking the intercession of our holy founder, St. Dominic. O light, o light of the, of the church, church, teacher, teacher of, of truth, Rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.